Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. I'm David Keir and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Bridget Wall. So Dave, tell me when you first started working, was there any procedures that you were sort of dreading to do for your first time? Yeah, for sure. If not every procedure <laughs> on my own at the start. Yeah. Um, but some, something something um, that really, you know, we got a good theoretical education on, but we didn't get a lot of hands on was surgery and, and yep. raising flaps. In fact, um, I think I did the incision for a flap and that was it. In, in dental school myself and so coming out and then having to do a surgery or getting to a situation where you need to take that step was definitely daunting and you know it feels good to have done that now but how, how do you feel about that? Yeah I would agree I think and you know I'm only in my second year out now and so I still haven't done a heap of surgical exos but I, I can find that when it's starting to look like I'm going to need to raise a flap to get there that's when you know the blood pressure rises a little bit um, because it's one thing to know where to do it, but I think also knowing what's going to happen after I do the flap is sometimes that um, unknown for me. We've got someone on the podcast today who is going to share with us some of his experience and his knowledge with flaps and surgery. Yeah, we do. We have Dr. Matthew Yusuf today and he's from ARIA Dental Education. He runs a, a few courses, an implant course, a surgery course. He brings in some big specialists that um, help his students learn. But he's come on to share some stuff about flap design and he raises some points that I think it's really important. And, and you know, if you forget these things, it can, it can actually make a big difference afterwards, particularly talking about in the anterior, you know, papillas and losing the papilla between teeth, something that you can't get back. So this chat, it's really fantastic. I hope you guys learn a lot from it with Dr. Matthew Yusuf. I raise flaps uh, all the time for surgery. Whenever I'm placing implants, whenever I'm taking out difficult teeth or trying to do atraumatic extractions, usually I'm raising a flap. And the only time I try not to raise a flap usually is if I'm doing an immediate implant placement. And I tend not to do that often unless it's a central or a lateral or an anterior case because what I'm trying to do in those cases is keep everything where it is and just add to it. When I'm raising a flap to place an implant or, or something like that, it's, you know, usually we teach the bigger the better or, you know, sometimes newer thought processes, the smaller the better. And <laughs> there's no kind of, I don't think there should be a rule with exactly how big your flaps should be, but there should be some basic rules that you should get into good practice with. And I think one of the big things is managing papilla or papillae, right? Mm -hmm. You need to manage your papillae to make sure that you're not getting losses there because often to try and get any papilla or even, even buckle tissue is hard to get back. Yep. But your number one aim should to do no should be to do no harm. So you should never raise a flap if you don't understand what the consequence of raising a flap is. And an example of that is your papilla. You know, if if you raise papilla and you don't have, or you have a five or six millimeter probing at that papilla, you'll lose that papilla for life, and you've just created a pocket. And I don't care if it's teeth or implants, right? I couldn't care less. It's the same concept. Once you lose the support, the only way to get it back is orthodontic extrusion. 
And this is referring specifically to the Tarnow, um, five millimeters of um, the papilla and anything more than that, you're not going to be able to get regrowth. Yeah, and, and it's more than that as well, right? It's Tarnow, that's old, right? But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. 100% laid the way for how we look at it today. Um, so it's not just five mil because nowadays you see these implants which are placed really deep, okay? And you're like, well, these are placed five mil below where the bone crest should be. So how are you going to place your contact point five mil from where the head is? So it's a little bit more than that. So think about what's there, what tissue is there, and doing no damage, right? So I'm not talking about Tarnow's rule where you want your your interdental contact of your restoration to be five mil from bone height. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just raising flaps in any scenarios, whether it's implants or soft or or teeth. If you're raising a flap where bone height at the papilla there's a differentiation greater than your standard two or three mil. You're going to get lost when you raise that. And I've done it a number of times where I've made that mistake where I've raised the flap two or two teeth down from where I'm placing an implant or one tooth down and failed to consider the consequence of me raising a nice big flap. That's not to say that your flap should always be really small. It's case by case and dependent. If you've got a healthy patient who's got really good bone height throughout, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's about understanding the impacts of what you're doing and whether and deciding on what's best for that case and that patient. That's something that um, I, you raise really good points. And as a relatively inexperienced um, in the surgery side of dentistry, um, I, I think that will really help me and hopefully many of the listeners. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor and ask a question. But how do you make the most out of your CPD? I think the first step is to make sure you've chosen the right CPD and how do you know that unless you've seen it all? cpdjunkie.com.au is made so that all of the dental CPD in Australia and New Zealand is in the one place. We've got all of the webinars, all of the live courses coming up on the website, easy to find and easy to filter. And the second step, well, it's all in the free ebook on their website, cpdjunkie.com.au, the home of Australian dental CPD. Thank you for supporting dental students and graduates and thank you for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. What do we want to be thinking about when we're raising flaps in the posterior? Apart from the obvious anatomy uh, risks, is there anything else to add? So I always raise flaps if I'm placing an implant. There hasn't been an implant that I've placed in a healed site where I'm not raising a flap and that's because I'm not Personally, I'm not good enough at placing an implant blind. I I think, you know, I think if I'm placing an implant in bone, I need to see what I'm doing. I need to see the angulation. It's like if I'm drilling into into tooth to try and find the pulp or an axis. Well, similarly, when I'm drilling in bone to place an implant, I need to be in the right position and I want to be in the center of the ridge. So to do that, the best thing is visibility. I think we've learned that as dentists over time, especially with just the introduction of a light onto loops. You know, people are able to see better. And so when I'm doing surgery, I'm always raising a flap. You asked about like the consequence of raising a flap. Mm. If you're raising flaps in healthy sites, there are are no real consequences. However, you you can dehydrate the flap. You can, so if your flap's open for too long, and you're not regularly placing saline or, or some kind of lubricant on it, you can dehydrate the flap, which can then cause necrosis if it's left for too long. So there are some basic rules to surgery that you need to keep in mind. And you should never be, you should never be rushing, but you should always be efficient. 
because healing will be directly related to how long that flap is kept open. So it means that, you know, you don't want to be wasting time looking for materials and instruments and things like that during your surgery. Be well prepared. Make sure that when you are working, you're working to the highest standard, but you're not wasting time on, on rubbish things or things that are not, not important at that time. That's a really good point, the one with um, when, you, when you've raised a flap and perhaps taking a little bit of time, um, you need to keep that flap hydrated, as you said, with saline. Is there anything else when you're caring for the tissues in, while the ra- flap's raised that we can think of? Treat your soft tissue or, or treat tissue like a baby. Be really soft and gentle with it, right, until yeah. you need to raise it. So while yeah. you're using your knife, you're being really soft and gentle, treating it like a baby. Once you start to then raise the flap and use your elevator, that's mm. when you need to be quite firm and not tear the tissue, but you need to be firm against the bone because the second you tear the tissue, that's when you're going to get secondary healing and potentially delayed healing or slower healing. So when you're placing your elevator in and you're pushing down, that's when you've got to kind of be a little bit firmer because you want to make sure that you're pressing all the way down to bone. Mm. Same with your knife, right? When you're using your scalpel, it needs to be all the way down to bone, Mm. right? Otherwise, you will be creating a split thickness flap and split split thickness flaps heal by secondary healing. Sometimes we aim for that, right? Sometimes we do cases when we're grafting and we deliberately do a split thickness flap because we want that tissue to heal onto... Uh, a de-epithelialized tissue. So to de-epithelialize, your outside layer is epithelium and then you've got your sub-epithelium connective tissue. So it's about splitting those up. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. And of course, uh, most of us doing a more um, beginner level of surgery, we're not doing split thickness, so we certainly don't want to accidentally do split thickness flaps. So that that makes a lot of sense. That's really, really useful tips. Thanks so much for your help there, Matthew. Thanks, Dave. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.